Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. I think most of us were like, wow, we're getting all the rain for the year at one time. And none of us saw the sun. And we were like, is it ever going to shine again? And you saw the sun this morning. You're like, go away, go away. I want to sleep some more. Um, but when, the, when, the, when it was raining a ton here in Tulsa, um, there, were, there was, Chloe still had soccer practice, but she had soccer practice at an indoor facility. And um, Chad Lovett knows where I'm going probably already with this. I don't know where Chad is, but I saw him here earlier today. And so um, there was, you, there was, long story short, indoor facility that we're practicing at. You could park at the parking lot really far away from the building and walk to the rain, or you could drive on a gravel road, but there was no parking, but you just kind of park on the grass. Now, the grass and the ground is saturated at this point. Really really saturated. And um, I, I pulled in, pulled out. I was okay. I wasn't in my truck. I was in a loaner car from uh, the dealership that I was had my truck getting fixed. And, um, but I, I, I didn't get stuck. However, there was someone that I don't know from another team that I didn't know that had a minivan. Now, this is not a minivan hate message right now. If you have a minivan, I don't hate minivans. I'm not saying that. So, but, but understand something. You got to understand your limitations at some point. Um, man, we've got to, once you turn 40, man, you don't move like you did when you were 20. It's just a fact. Um, you just don't. You're not as quick. You're like, I like to try to go play basketball, and I think I'm two moves ahead of where I'm actually at um, because I'm just not as young as I am. And, and this guy drove his minivan up to the grass, up to the front door, and he's being nice, and he's letting his wife and the little baby and the little girl out, and then he tries to leave, and he gets stuck. And what do you do when you get stuck? You just gun it even more, right? And he gets stuck even more, and that minivan's got mud all over it. And I mean, it's, it's low. I mean, it looks like low, 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 low. And um, what I love is when we get stuck, we as men get out of the car and we do this. Oh, yeah, I sure, huh? How, how'd that happen, you know? Really, my minivan is stuck. And it's like we're thinking we're going to use Jedi mind powers to move the truck out of being stuck. We're like, well, babe, you're right. I'm stuck. I didn't look at that. And so, and so um, the wife's, what are you 
thinking, why are you? And she's yelling at him. I'm just trying to, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to help you out, you know, so you didn't have to get wet. Well, I'd rather get wet than get all muddy and nasty. And now look at us. We're just a spectacle out of here. And it's all your fault. I mean, it was beautiful. It was I like some of the moms are like, you and Chad should go help. And we're like, there's no way. This is awesome. Um, and so I was like, this is sermon prep for me. Um, this is good. And so finally they got unstuck. But, but, but what the, 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 the wife came to this point and she just said, how'd this even happen? How, how, how like what transpired in your brain that you took the mini? I was like, we need, you need to come to the marriage series at Foundations Church right here. Here's a card. We'd love to have you. But what transpired in your brain to think that you could do this and now we're stuck? How did this even happen. And I think for a lot of us, we say that phrase a lot when it comes to life. How did this even happen? How how did I get here where I feel like I'm stuck? And this morning, if that's you, if you feel like you're just, you, you haven't... And here's the deal. This morning, I'm not talking about that you've been involved, like, doing compromising things or engaging in, like, sin or bad things or things you know. But, man, some of us, we've been doing good things, but we just feel stuck. And we're like, how, how did this happen? How did I get here, this morning, I want you to understand something before we go any further, and most of us know this, but sometimes what we know we need to be reminded of, and it's this, is that God is in the details. God is in the details. So many times we hear the phrase, the devil's in the details, and I, I understand what somebody's saying, but I want you to hear this this morning from your pastor. God is into the details of your life. He cares not just about the big things, he cares about the small things. In Luke chapter 12, verse 6 through 7, it says, What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins. Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Now, some of our hair is a little bit easier to count than others. Um, However, what this verse is saying is there's no detail of your life that has skipped past God. There's no aspect of your life that God doesn't see. He sees all these different things happen in this world, and he sees you right where you are this morning. If you're having problems kind of grasping that God's in the detail, go read Matthew chapter 6. And just read through Matthew chapter 6 and repeat and read through Matthew chapter 6 and read through Matthew chapter 6 and understand that God is in the details of my life. But sometimes it doesn't feel like that. And even for the disciples, at sometimes it didn't feel like God was in the details. Mark chapter 4 verse 35 through 38 tells the story of a time where the disciples didn't feel, they knew the truth, but they didn't understand. Man, they, they kind of lost sight of the truth. Mark 4, 35, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. 
And I, I want you to understand what's happening. We understand the boat's about to capsize. They're taking in water. This is not a good situation. They're freaked out. And, and here's what's happening with Jesus. Verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him shouting, teacher, don't you care? We're going to drown. Uh, Jesus is like chilled out. And the disciples are like, Jesus, (laughs) we're taking on water. We're about to drown. This is not a good situation. Do do you even care I'm, we're here. You're in the boat with us. Do you even, are, are you like, do you have a pulse? Do you realize what's that? Do you care we're about to drown? And some of you, that is what you feel like this morning. You feel like, man, I'm about to drown. The bills keep coming in. The finances keep getting strained. I take one step forward just to go back three steps. And man, I just feel like I'm about to drown. There's one health issue, and you take care of that health health issue just to find another one and another one and another one. And some of you, you're here this morning, and you're like, man, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I got to this place. Some of you, it's a business venture, and it's not turning out, and you're like, I don't know how life got here. It's frustrating. It's aggravating. I got to tell you, I don't know if God even cares this morning. That's, that's how I, do you even care? I'm drowning in this, God. What do you do when life didn't turn out the way you thought it should turn out? Because I have a way in my mind, you have thoughts and a process in your mind that the way, at the way life should go, but what do you do when it doesn't go like it should? What do you do when you're dealing with the loss of potential? Because can I tell you, when you lose the loss of what should be, that's hard to deal with. When you thought God would move this way and yet he has yet to move. This morning, I want you to understand, God's still in the details. God sees you. God knows what you're feeling, and he knows where you are. This morning, this message is really birthed out of my personal devotional time. Um, This is kind of an overflow of just what God has been speaking to me, and um, this message hit me Tuesday night. Um, I'm at the house I'm in the shower, and like God just starts speaking to me in the shower. I'm like, holy cow, you know? And so I'm running out of the shower. I'm soaking wet. I'm like, Casey, I need a pen. I need paper. I'm like writing stuff. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, don't say anything. Um, I was just like, I'm in a zone right now, you know? And um, I start writing stuff down. And, and out, of, out of my just kind of my time studying, this is where this message is coming from and is very personal uh, to me for you. And so um, this story, this, this, this message comes out of the story of Joseph. And most of us remember the, the, the story of Joseph in the latter part of Genesis. And Joseph is the favorite son. Joseph is the favorite son of Jacob or Israel. Um, and all the brothers know it. Like all of Joseph's brothers know that his dad loves Joseph more than them and he comes from a dysfunctional family. Because parents, you may like one of your kids better, but you can't show it, okay? Um, let me just state that. You may like one, but you can't. But, but that wasn't the case for Joseph. 
His dad showed it. He made him a coat like Ric Flair, right? He comes out with his robe of many colors like, whoa. Um, and he's, I mean, he's showing off. And his dad, I mean, his dad sends the little brother to go check on all the older brothers and to come back and tattle on them and make sure that they're doing what they should be doing. And it's at this time, as Joseph's walking out, you're getting a little bit of the way I read the Bible right now. I'm trying to condense the whole story of Joseph. Um, Joseph's walking out, and here comes Joe, and his brother see Joe walking along, and they're like, let's kill him. I hate that guy. He's a brat. Our dad likes him. Maybe if we get rid of him, dad will like us more. Let's kill him. And the oldest brother, Reuben's like, ah, okay, okay, I hear you. You're coming in hot right now. Let's, let's temper this down a little bit. Let's not kill them. Why don't we do this? Why don't we sell them? <laughs> right? Like, I don't know where you and your siblings rate, but I would probably say your relationship's a little bit better than thinking about selling your baby brother, hopefully. Um, hopefully. Um, but that's what they decide on. But, but it doesn't just stop there. Then we're going to take his robe. They, they take Joseph's robe. They rip it to pieces. They kill a goat. And they throw it all over the robe and like, Dad, your favorite son, Joseph, he's dead. Some, some vicious animal tore Joseph up, and th- this is all we found. There's no, there's no bones. There's no remains. Sorry, Dad. You know, this is, this is it. While they're getting rich, off selling Joseph 30 pieces of silver from the Ishmaelites, who are the enemies of, of, of Joseph and his brothers and his dad. Like, they, they don't like the Ishmaelites. And the Ishmaelites, by Joseph, were like, hey, we'll take the Joe right there. We'll take Joe, and we'll take him with us. We'll take him off your hands. And so they go to Egypt. When they get to Egypt, Joseph, Joe is sold to Potiphar an Egyptian master. And that's kind of where we pick up. And what I want us to understand, as you are feeling stuck, think what Joseph was going through, right? He had dreams. He had visions that his brothers, even his father, was going to bow down before him, that he was going to be used in mighty ways. And yet, Joseph's life isn't turning out like what Joseph thought at all. And the thing I want us to understand is this, is don't let your surroundings feed your excuses, Don't let your surroundings feed your excuses of why you can't. Well, but but my surroundings aren't ideal. My surroundings aren't what I thought they were going to be. They weren't what they thought, what Joseph thought they were going to be either. We pick up in Genesis chapter 39, verses 2 through 3. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Now, I don't want you to minimize what's happening here. Because Potiphar, man, when I read this, I think, oh, Potiphar's not that bad of a guy. Probably a good guy, you know, he kind of lets Joseph come up. But Potiphar is a slave master. Like Potiphar is not Joseph's friend. He is not his co-worker. He's not his boss. He is his owner. He's a slave master. And Joseph, though this is not what he, he didn't envision being a slave, though he didn't envision being in Egypt away from everybody he cared for and loved, this is where he 
is. And so this is where he finds himself just trying to do something. This isn't the surrounding he wanted, but instead of feeding his life with excuses, he started succeeding where he was. Now, if you don't know the story of Joseph, what happens is Joseph starts succeeding, and Potiphar's wife, we're going to call her cougar lady, Potiphar's wife notices young Joe and is like, ooh, I want some of that right there. Um, and Joe's like, whoa, 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 you're off limits. My master said, anything else? is on the table, but you are not. Well, she doesn't take no for an answer, naughty, naughty cougar. And so she runs after Joe when the house is empty. There's nobody there. She grabs his cloak. Joseph runs away, and she screams, man, this Hebrew slave tried to sleep with me. You know, she got turned down, so she's going to get even. She's going to have her vengeance. And she accuses Joe. So what happens? Potiphar grabs his slave, throws him in prison. We pick up verse 20. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused him to succeed in everything. I um, totally read that wrong like a dyslexic person because that's the way I read. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Here's, here's what I know. The, I, this, the surroundings weren't ideal. The surroundings weren't what Joseph thought, but he wasn't going to let his surroundings feed his excuses. I love box fans. Um, we sleep with a box fan every night, wherever we go. We go on vacations. Casey makes me go find a box fan. Some of you are like, hey, do you know the box fan app? I know the box fan app. It's not the same as an actual box fan. And so wherever we have left multiple, multiple box fans at hotels rooms, we have asked housekeeping for box fans. We, we, we got to have a box fan when we sleep. My wife is not a high maintenance person, but she is a high maintenance sleeper. Um, I'm a high maintenance everything else, so we're even. Um, but here's the deal. When we have the box fan, the thing that is nice is you can point where you want the air to go, right? We don't like the air to blow on us because we don't want to wake up with like, oh, I'm so dry, you know? Um, so we point it away from us, and what's even better is you can turn it on when you want noise, and you can turn it off when you want noise, because all we're after is the noise. And it's nice to be able to point something, to control something, to say, man, I want you to do this now, and it's fantastic. But, but here's the problem. This is great when it comes to your room and sleeping. But for a lot of us, we want to treat the Holy Spirit like a box fan. We want to say, hey, I want you to move here. I want you to blow in this direction. I want you to work in the way that I've envisioned it, the way that I've dreamed it. I want you to do it on my time frame, and I want it to be in my surroundings. But that's not how the Holy Spirit works. That, that's, not the, that's not the all-powerful Holy Spirit that we serve and that we're indwelled with. Can I tell you, the whole, it says that God was with Joseph in Potiphar's house. 
The very place that Joseph didn't want to be is the very place the Holy Spirit led him through and to. And can I tell you, you may not like where you are, you may not like your surrounding of where you are, but the God that was with Joseph in Potiphar's house and in the pit and in the prison is the God that is with you and has you right where you are even though you feel stuck. He is with you in everything you do. It says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse Verse 4 through 6, it says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. God's ways are as mysterious as the pathway of the wind and as the manner in which a human spirit is infused into the little body of a baby while it's yet in its mother's womb. Keep on sowing your seed, for you never know which will grow. Perhaps it all will. Keep on sowing your seed. Some of us, we're waiting for perfect conditions, right? We're waiting till our surroundings are fantastic and we like this person and we like this person and everything is great and everything is wonderful and I'm good. And so now I feel like doing something for the Lord. I feel like going after my dreams. But if not, I'm going to make an excuse of why I'm not doing what God has put me here to do. Well, well but, but they don't. They don't, they don't like me. Can I tell you, there's always going to be somebody that doesn't like you. That's called life. What, what, but, but I don't have a guaranteed financial plan that this is all going to work. Welcome to life. If you wait, if you wait till perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. You may not like where you are, but what are you going to do with what you have? You, you may not like where you are, but what are you going to do with what you have? The, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, so I'm going to keep sowing my seed. I'm going to keep, because maybe it all will grow. I'm not going to wait for perfect conditions, but I'm going to realize the Holy Spirit that led me here is leading me here and is with me and that he's with me in everything that I'm doing. I'm going to do what I can with where I am. Man, that, that's it. Are you doing what you can where you are? I'm going to do what I can where I may not be able to control my surroundings. Joseph couldn't control if he was in the prison. He couldn't control if he was sold. He couldn't control what Potiphar's reaction was. He couldn't control Potiphar's wife. He couldn't control the jail. He couldn't control Pharaoh. But man, I'm going to do what I can with where I am. I'm not going to let my surroundings feed my excuses. And are you doing what you can with where you are? I love what it says in Genesis chapter 45, verse 5 through 8. Joseph has come to the kind of the forefront with his brothers. He's been advanced up to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, hey, I can hear you can interpret dreams. That's a pretty cool trick. Show me what you can do. And Joseph's like, I can't do anything, but the Lord empowers me to do it all. He interprets a dream from Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh's like, you're the man that I've been looking for. You're the governor or the vice president of all of Egypt. And I'm going to have you take care of everything. The only person that is under you or that you're under is me. Everybody else is under you. And so all of a sudden, Joseph's dream becomes reality. Um, he's put in charge of all of Egypt. And all of 
sudden his brothers, there's a famine in the land, famine in the land, um, and the brothers are coming, and his brothers bow down before him, his dream's coming true, and Joseph finally, like, lets himself be known who he is. And it says this in Genesis chapter 45, verse 5 through 8, it says, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Do you know what Joseph did not allow to happen? He didn't allow somebody's ill ill feelings, what their, their ill intent, their malicious actions to dictate the rest of his future. For some of us, you've been hurt by those closest to you, and it hurts the most because it's the least expected. And you can sulk, and you can, man, you can excuse it away, or you, you can use it. You can use it, or you can excuse it. You can use why God has you there. You can use, man, I don't want to be here, but I'm here. Or you can excuse it. But I got to tell you, at some point in this, whatever you feed grows. You keep feeding your excuses, and it grows. You keep feeding all the reasons why you can't, and it grows. It turns in to something else. In 2011, a former South African army, Major Marius Ells, was killed after being savagely bitten by his pet hippopotamus Humphrey. Total different scenario of hungry, hungry hippos here. Ells had adopted the 1.2 ton creature when it was just five months old. After the animal was rescued from a flood and he had attempted to domesticate it, Humphrey's like a son to me. He's just like a human, he told a reporter earlier in that year. There's a relationship between me and Humphrey, and that's what some people just don't understand. Oh, I understand that relationship. He's looking at you like a Scooby snack. I mean, it's not... You've got a relationship. Humphrey had already done his fair share of damage, breaking out of his pen many times, chasing golfers, and killing calves. African authorities caution people not to keep hippos as pets, as I know, as they're impossible to train, can run 30 miles per hour, and kill more people than almost every wild animal combined. What you feed grows. And can I tell you, if you keep feeding your excuses, you can't train excuses. They will always outrun you and they kill more dreams and potential than almost anything else in life. And if you keep feeding your excuse, eventually those excuses will become your way of life. We all have excuses. Joseph had reasons to pout. He had reasons to sulk I, well, I didn't ask for this. No, he didn't. Well, I didn't deserve this. No, he didn't. I didn't know it was going to be this hard. I didn't know I was going to be traded by my brothers. I didn't know they were going to lie about me dying to my dad. But he didn't get bitter. He didn't just sit in prison and groan and moan and tell everybody about hor- how horrible it was. He used what he had. And you can either use it or you're going to excuse it. But understand this morning, whatever you feed the most, it will eventually become your life. 
life and you will at the end of your days have a life full of excuses or a life full that was full because you didn't let potential stay potential but you let it become a reality there's always going to be obstacles but hear me this morning joshua 1 9 says this this is my command be strong and courageous Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Every time Joseph was in a prison, it says, but God was with Joseph. When he was in Potiphar's house, but God was with Joseph. When he was sold in the pit, but God was with Joseph. Even when he became successful, but God was with Joseph. And the last thing I would tell you is this, is keep staying fruitful even in your Egypt. Keep staying fruitful even in your Egypt. This, I, this, this is like the whole thing I wanted to get to. Can I? There's going to be Potiphar moments that you don't deserve. There's going to be pit moments where it is deathly hurtful and you think it's the end of the dream. But can I tell you, the Holy Spirit doesn't work like them. This, he is a mighty, powerful wind that leads you and directs you. And Joseph never would have taken himself to Egypt. But if he'd never been in the pit and he'd never gone to Potiphar's house, he never would have gone to the prison where he never would have been discovered by Pharaoh, where Pharaoh would never have made him ruler of the entire land, the vice president of all of Egypt, it never would have happened if the pit wouldn't have happened first. And can I tell you, the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. He's leading, he's directing, he's guiding, and all your job and my job is to do is to follow and stay fruitful even in your Egypt. It says this in Genesis chapter 41, verses 50 through 52, before the years of famine came, Two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Verse 52, the second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. It's not that Joseph ignored that it was hard. It's not that Joseph didn't acknowledge that it wasn't what he thought. Man, I'm in my land of suffering. He's already the the vice president at this point. He's gone through. It's not that he didn't recognize that, man, this was not easy. This is not the way that I thought. But my goodness, even in the land of my suffering, I'm going to have an Ephraim moment. I'm going to be fruitful, and God is going to make me fruitful even in the place that I didn't ask. I'm going to have an Ephraim moment. And this morning, can I I tell you, the Bible is full of people that had Ephraim moments in the land of their suffering. You look at David. David was the number one fugitive. He was on the run from Saul, a mad king who was trying to kill him. And he had a cave moment. And in the middle of the cave, he's all alone. Everybody's hunting him. Everybody's believing lies. And yet, instead of sulking, instead of pouting, instead of getting depressed, he said, I'm going to be productive. I'm going to be fruitful. I'm going to have my moment. I'm going to have my Ephraim moment. 
moment right here. And all of a sudden, men started coming to him. And this is where David's mighty men were birthed. This is where the army that took David to the throne was birthed was in that cave. He may not have liked the cave, but he had an Ephraim moment in it. And when you look at Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel was kidnapped. His home of Israel was destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. They kidnapped him. They changed his name. They threw him into the lion's den for praying three times, and yet he still was fruitful. He still was productive, even though they changed his name, even though they kidnapped him, even though they threw him in prison for wrong, wrongful reasons. He still had an Ephraim moment. He still stayed fruitful, even though he didn't like his Egypt, and he didn't like his surroundings. You look at Paul. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was stoned like rocks, not this. Um, he was bitten by snakes. He was marooned. He was tried, but Paul stayed fruitful. He had an Ephraim moment no matter where he went. The apostle John was totally isolated and sent to the island of Patmos, but instead of writing the blues, he wrote the book of Revelation. I may not like where you are, but you can't keep me from having my Ephraim right here in the midst of surroundings that I don't like. I'm still going to be fruitful. It may not be ideal. It may not be perfect, but I'm going to have my Ephraim moment. You may say, Justin, but you have no idea what it's like to lose your job. Oh, yes, I do, but I decided I'm going to have an Ephraim moment and something good's going to come out of it. You have no idea what it's like to work someplace you don't want to work. Oh, yes, I do, but instead of sulking about it, give me some room and I'm going to have birth to an Ephraim and I will be fruitful in the land of my suffering. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on, but what I do know you may be in Egypt, but have your Ephraim. Stay fruitful. Keep sowing your seed wherever you may be. And it may not be perfect, but stop waiting for perfect circumstances and situations and be fruitful. Have your Ephraim and say, I may not like it, but I'm going to bring forth life where I am at. That's what God has for you this morning. I close with this. I'm, I'm done. I got to stop. I got to stop. <laughs> Telling you, I came sprinting out of that shower. God has an Ephraim moment for you. It wasn't ideal for Jacob to have his sons away from the rest of his father, from his father or for his family. But that's where God led and directed. And if we'll be obedient to follow, it says this in Joshua 1.9. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. But be the opposite. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord God is with you every step of the way. It's not dependent on your ability, but it is dependent on your willingness. So be willing to follow and stay fruitful where where the Holy Spirit leads you to and directs you to. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. God, I, I don't know where people are. I don't know what addictions. I don't know what heartache. I don't know what setbacks. I don't know where life is, but I know where life can be. 
And Lord, we can sulk and we can pout and we can talk about how it's not fair and we can get stuck on excuses and we can let our surroundings feed our excuses or we can have Ephraims in the midst of our Egypt. And Lord, I believe with everything inside of me, you've called us to be fruitful people. You've called us to have Ephraim moments in the midst of places we don't like. And so Lord, I pray that for too long, some of us have been afraid and discouraged. And I pray that we would shake that off, that we would shake off that spirit of fear and timidity and discouragement. And that Lord, we would be strong and courageous because you are with us every step of the way. The situation and the circumstances may not be ideal. Lord Jesus, it may not be how we envisioned it in our mind. It may not be how we dreamed it up, but Lord, nonetheless, you have led us there. So Lord, I pray that we would sow our seed, that we would stay fruitful, and Lord, we would go through the pain of birthing new life and new experiences and new moments and following after you. God, I pray that we would be obedient instead of picky. God, we get so picky on how it has to happen instead of just following you and allowing you to make it happen. So, Lord, I pray no more fear, no more anxiety, but, Lord, just a boldness to follow, just a tenacity and a stubbornness that I will have my Ephraim moment. I will be fruitful. Because Lord, the verse says, but the Lord allowed me to be fruitful in the land of my suffering. Lord, it's about you making us fruitful and us just being willing to follow and be obedient. Move. In Jesus' name I pray. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here this morning, you say, Justin, I'm here. And man, I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with Jesus Christ, and I need to recommit my life to him. Maybe you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. We want to give you that chance in that moment and that opportunity. So when I count to three, all I want you to do is raise your hand, and we'll lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here? You just lift your hand. You say, yeah, that's me. There's one, there's two, there's three, there's four. You say, Justin, that's me today. I want to join these four hands are lifted. Is there anyone else? Before we go any further in service, you say, Justin, yeah, I see your hand. There's five. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, man, that's me. I want to join these five hands that are lifted. Yep, I see you. There's six or seven. Is there anyone else? You join these seven hands that are lifted. Man, what a great day that's happening right now. You just say, man, that's me. I want to join these seven hands that are lifted. Anybody else before we go any further? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned, that I've messed up, and I'm just not where I need to be. Jesus, I ask that your love and grace would enter my life and you take me to the place I need to be. I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray.
much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.